Hi, and welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I am your host and the founder of Brave Parenting, Kelly Newcomb. And this is where you'll get the encouragement, insight, and information you need to raise kids of character and our culture saturated with media and technology. We call it Brave Parenting because it takes courage and a lot of hard work to not only keep on top of changing technology, but then to know how to incorporate that into your family's life. So our ultimate goal here is to keep you educated and equipped to raise those tech-savvy kids. Welcome to today's show. Well, today we're going to be talking about summer learning. More specifically, you know, as we finish up a school year that has been cut short by COVID-19 and school cancellations, what kind and how much summer learning is recommended for specifically our elementary age children? You know, a lot of parents are concerned with the lack of learning that occurred throughout this last quarter of the school year and what that means for their children as they start school back in the fall. The idea of continued homeschooling really fills a lot of parents with dread, myself included, but at the same time, now parents have this awareness and access to a lot of online educational resources thanks to the distant learning we've all become acquainted with. So what is really best for our kids this summer? Well, our guest today is going to shed some light on these questions with her expertise in elementary education. She is currently the principal at Taylor Elementary School in Cincinnati, Ohio. In her over 20 years as an educator and administrator, she has taught in several different grade levels, been an instructional coach, and been recognized in her work as an administrator by the Ohio Department of Education for her work around trauma-impacted children by the University of Cincinnati Economic Center as Principal of the Year, and also nationally recognized for her work raising student achievement. Wow, we're so excited to welcome to the show, Miss Lori Reilly. Thanks, Kelly. I'm honored to be here. Well, thank you. So, Lori, let's jump right into this. Let's get some perspective on what COVID-19 was like for you as an administrator Um, and the leadership that you, as you led all of your teachers through some of this distant learning, what were some of the hardest aspects for you guys? Well, I think there was a few. First and foremost, it completely changed education overnight. I know in my building, we saw the students on a Thursday. We found out Thursday afternoon that they would not be returning, and we started remote learning on Tuesday. So that meant that pretty much over a weekend, we had to connect with our teachers give them support, teach them technology so that they could connect with our students in just a matter of days. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot to take on over a weekend. Was this before or after your spring break? This was before our spring break. So it's difficult to provide support to people remotely. So we're trying to teach teachers just like they're trying to teach students over a computer. It's a completely different way of teaching. Yeah. One that many of our, our teachers were not familiar with. But then uh, once you get the teachers ready, you have the task of getting the families ready. And again, this is a lot of technology and completely different from how they grew up and how they received their education. So it was a matter of our communication had to be on point. It had to be precise. Mm -hmm. It had to be constant to get our families on board and get our students connected with our teachers. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I know for myself, we're pretty tech savvy and it was a real struggle to get all of our kids on board and try and figure out just to supervise what they were doing. Um, It was challenging. And I can't imagine for a lot of parents who don't know the ins and outs of a lot of different programs like that, 
that would be very difficult, especially for y'all as administrators trying to encourage it from a distance. Absolutely. You know, and another struggle we had was just that feeling of like helplessness. Um, mm-hmm. from the families felt that, the teachers feel that. This is not the way education was designed. Teachers got into education because they like the connection with kids. They like to work with kids one-on-one. And we are now working in isolation, and that's Mm -hmm. a very different feeling. And, of course, families are struggling. They feel helpless. They're not understanding the technology, the, the teaching aspect of it. They're overwhelmed. They have a lot on their plates. So we've worked really hard to kind of keep our family morale up as well as Mm -hmm. our staff morale just to get through this time. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's definitely been, um, we kind of lowered the bar a lot across the the board. And I think it was necessary for not only the education system, but us as as parents to kind of survive this and come out Mm -hmm. still loving each other, (laughs) if you will. So that kind of really leans in since we, you know, we do know that everyone kind of lowered the bar a little bit. That means that not only do we have the months of summer, but we have these additional months that we really didn't learn as much as, you know, they were supposed to. So this summer learning loss that we know is this phenomenon that teachers kind of deal with as kids come back into the fall, you know, is there a great concern that it's going to be even worse, you know, come August and September when we head back? Absolutely. Um, remote learning or distance learning is not the same as in-class learning. Not not at all. In my building, for example, our teachers kind of did two varieties of lessons. Sometimes they did pre-recorded lessons that they could push out and explain the skill and goes over everything, which is great. They're able to get the lesson in. However, there's no chance for the students to ask questions or mm-hmm. for the teachers to kind of give feedback. Then we also have the live sessions which allows us to connect with the kids and interact. But there's so many distractions during mm-hmm. those live sessions. Yes, I can and, attest to that. Oh, yeah. And just, you know, keep their attention takes a lot. And those are usually much shorter than what they would be if they were in the classroom. So by no means were we able to get all of our standards covered. Um, we're trying to track the standards that we did cover. And then we have a list of standards that we know that we need to cover. But here's the thing. Everyone is in the same boat. So it's not just Taylor Elementary that's going to be behind. It pretty much is going to be across the board, across the nation. We have students that are going to be behind. Mm -hmm. And that's something as administrators we have to plan for. We have to come up with a way to address those skills from the previous grade that they haven't mastered, they were not exposed to, as well as get them caught up on the current grade level standards. It's a big task, but it's one that we're ready to take on and and we'll come up with a plan and we'll have that plan ready. Yeah. And I think that's why we as parents have all gained such an appreciation for what you do (laughs) as educators and administrators, uh, because, wow, I mean, it is a big task. You know, I laugh when I think about, you know, how many parents, you know, just want to show love like, okay, you want this school supplies? I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I'll buy it. Like, please just take the kids back. (laughs) You know, we see this kind of stuff happening online, but it's true. That is a big task. And I love your attitude and just that, yeah, you're ready to take it on um, because that's what you guys are equipped to do. And, you know, as parents, oh, we so appreciate that. Absolutely. I sent a message out to my family because I was getting a lot of concerns. And I just, I asked them to take that off their plate. That that was, that was my job. Let me mm-hmm. do that. Let me take care of that for you. Let me worry about that and come up with a plan. 
you just kind of maintain what you're doing. Let's get through this time. Love on your kids and we'll figure it out. I love that. I think that's that's brilliant. And so and really that kind of leads in. So my next question was, is something that I know I myself am thinking about, a lot of other parents are thinking about, what do we need to be doing, if anything, over the summer to kind of keep our kids doing some simple education-related tasks or assignments, flashcards, you know, should we be doing those things to keep our kids on top of it so they're not as behind when they get back in the fall? So that's kind of a trick question for me because normally I would say absolutely continue working with them on some of their basic skills so that that gap doesn't happen or the gap isn't as big. They can kind of hit the ground running when the next school year. However, this is kind of an unusual year. Um, I like to think that sometimes our students are forgotten victims of this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend a lot of time worried about the adults and work and um, the stresses that they have paying the bills. But imagine being a five, six, seven-year-old kid, and your world, as you know, it has completely changed. Mm-hmm. You don't have the understanding as to why you can't go back to school. I actually sat in on a, several Zoom lessons with teachers, and I had to stop because all they wanted to do was ask me why I wouldn't let them come back to school. Oh. And it was heartbreaking <laughs> because they just didn't understand what was going on in the world. You know, I I think maybe this summer it has to be a little bit different. Um, If you choose to keep your students engaged in academics, the last thing I would do is is call it that. I certainly wouldn't call it homeschool. I certainly wouldn't refer to it as school at all. But find ways to make it fun. Find ways to continue to engage as a family. So we always want you to continue reading. Obviously, that's a great skill to continue practicing over the summer. But be purposeful. Mm -hmm. Find a book that you can read together as a family. One suggestion that I might give would be The One and Only Ivan. Oh, yes. And the reason I choose choose that book is because the motion picture is coming out in August. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's a great way that you as a family can read a book together and then celebrate by possibly watching the movie whenever we're able to access the movie. But then it, it kind of makes it purposeful as to why you are reading the story. And I think it's important that we read with kids, not just have them read, but model the behavior that we want them to do. So if they see us reading, then it's a natural fit that they were reading. Um, but also the power of especially our our young students hearing what good reading sounds like. That's really important. Yeah. You know, if you wanna if you want to support writing, create some type of pen pal situation. Maybe it's not a pen pal with you, but maybe it's a relative that they normally see a lot. And they haven't been able to, and maybe it's just a virtual connection that they're having. Allow them the power of writing, mm-hmm. um, specifically maybe to an adult, so that when they get a letter back, they're seeing what good writing looks like, but they're also connecting and being encouraged to express their feelings and talk about how this is impacting them and kind of pulling in some of that mental health pieces that we want to continue to support our students on. If you want to review math concepts, then make it fun. Have them um, follow recipes so they can learn measurements and things like that. Crafts where maybe you can incorporate some math vocabulary like symmetry, parallel, perpendicular. Or just go outside and have some fun. Do some like track and field type games where 
maybe it's a long jump and they have to measure, but then compare measurements to another person mm. and they're adding and subtracting, they're multiplying, they're dividing. If it's a race, time them and then they have to kind of compare and they're subtracting and adding decimals. Those types of things where they're not going to realize you're having them do math, they're having fun, but math is automatically incorporated in that. Yeah, that's I, genius. I think a big thing is, you know, I push with all of my students and families with goal setting. So sit down and, and set some goals with, the, with your child as to what are some fun things we can do this summer that maybe incorporate some learning and then set a reward for the end of summer. Like, hey, we were able to do all of this. We finished the story. You created this pen pal and you wrote back and forth. Goal setting is always a great thing to do with the students. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially as we near the end right now is a great time to be doing that. I think most people are, are ending, you know, right about now when, when we're airing this. So that's excellent. Sit down, goal set. What kind of fun things do they want to do? Some kids may, you're right, maybe really interested in cooking, whereas maybe your boys are going to be really interested in going outside doing that long jump type of idea. I think that's really fantastic. There are lots of uh, virtual field trips as well that people are putting out there free of charge. Find what your, what your child is interested in and expose them to it. Even just let them watch, look, look at the pictures, read about. This is a great opportunity when there's not a lot of other things you can do to really find an interest and learn more about it. Yeah, I think that's great. We've had some, some fun watching live webcams of the San Diego Zoo um, <laughs> during this quarantine. So. I agree. Like that has been really a fun thing. And yeah, all the museums that you can go into, that's an excellent idea as well. So let's dive into this question because those are awesome, really awesome off the screen ideas. Now, but what about, you know, our kids love screen time. And now that we know of all of these different math games, read along books and all these different programs, thanks to distant learning, is this something that you would recommend that we continue our kids in doing? Again, I go back to if it was a normal summer, possibly, but given this summer and how much technology they've had to use and that they um, have been on the past few months, and there's still that, that question of what is next fall going to look like, I would recommend maybe taking a break from the technology. However, I know that's very convenient for some parents, and, and that may be the only way that they can get some of their students to engage. So if you were going to use technology over the summer to kind of reinforce some skills, I would definitely only use programs that they're familiar with. I wouldn't introduce new programs necessarily, and I would kind of lean towards the programs that the schools are using that mm -hmm. they use throughout the school year or that they have been using during this distant learning. A, they're familiar with that, but B, school districts have vetted those programs. They, they know that the information, those programs are not being sold and given out to the people. They know that those programs have the rigor that the students need. It's not just necessarily games, if you will. Mm -hmm. They know that there's, there's tracking pieces to those programs. So when a district commits to a program and, and pays for those licenses, they want to make sure they're getting their bang for their buck. So there's a tracking piece to that. So that does feed back information to the school and to the teachers. That could be very valuable. I don't know if I would necessarily just start willy-nilly kind of searching for things 
And I certainly would say that if it looks like a video game, it probably is a video game. And while they may incorporate a few little skills here and there, you're not going to get a lot out of it in the long run. Yeah, that's generally how I feel (laughs) when I've watched some of my kids play games like Prodigy. And I think there's a couple other ones. But I mean, they are offered by the school. And I think they do incorporate some math. But the kids definitely love it because I think it feels more game-like than Mm -hmm. it it does math-like. Well, that's really good information. Now, we at Brave Parenting, you know, we primarily focus on a lot of the non-cognitive skills, such as perseverance, patience, hard work, and other character-driven traits. Can focusing in on and honing on these over the summer have a tangible impact on a child's education when they come back to school in the fall? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, those are the things that I'm telling our families to work on. Um, Those are things that we work on throughout the school year, but those are things that you can work on at any time. Give kids time to just tinker with things and learn how things work. Give them projects or tasks that allow them to struggle a little bit so that they can build that perseverance and grit. Like We like to use the word grit at our Mm -hmm. building. Uh, We want them to stick with it and not get discouraged. This is a time for them to make mistakes and it be okay. Um, But just simple things like even playing board games, we encourage that. That seems to be a lost skill nowadays, actually sitting in front of a game. I'm excited that that seems to have come back during the pandemic. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But it it teaches so many great skills. It teaches patience, turn taking what's fair, how to react when things don't go your way. Just little things like that make a big difference. And if a student does nothing over the summer except kind of work on a task and stick with it that takes them time and struggle and and they're not getting the immediate answers that they need, that is, those are valuable skills when coming back to the school year that they can immediately put into action. Absolutely. And I think a lot of those, like you said, I mean, the examples that you just gave, they're really not found on the screen. The screen gives such immediate feedback. It doesn't require a lot of patience. It doesn't take a lot of grit, no matter what kind of, especially for our elementary school kids, what kind of games they're playing. Um, It really is in that off-screen time that we can, um, especially the summer, really focus on a lot of those character traits. And those are things that sometimes in school we just don't have time to do. We know that they're probably best practice, but due to, you know, time constraints, we just don't have time to allow kids to struggle enough and to kind of feel that sense of, I don't know where to go from here, but I have to just keep plugging along until something starts making sense. That's a great idea for a summer activity. Wow, this has been so much great information. You know, I know this whole year has left parents super discouraged and overwhelmed, like you said, helpless. We've all felt this in our, in our jobs as well as at home in our family. I know for me, with seven school-age kids here, they've really loved the extended break, but I still have all those same concerns that everybody kind of feels. I know I personally feel very encouraged by your statement of, you know, relax, love them, and leave that work to you. That has been such a, a great nugget of wisdom for our families, as well talking about that learning loss, and and really those basic things of, of reading books, playing games that incorporate different skills, writing letters. I have loved all of that. What other encouragement or reassurance 
would you give parents who, who may be overwhelmed right now thinking about their child's education? I kind of address with my family, let me worry about the education. Right now, I want them to just worry about the well-being of their child and what they're going through and what they're experiencing and just have those conversations and sit with them and love them and take care of the mental health piece for us because we know they're going to be behind and we'll have a plan for that. But if they're behind and come back, just not in a good place mentally because they're still unsure of the world and what's going to happen or they have this fear that this might happen again. Um, that's just another roadblock to their learning. So we've also encouraged our families to just think about the positive. Think about what can come out of all of this. We have students that now are spending more time at home. They're having the opportunity to play games. They're helping cook dinner. They're realizing that sometimes you have to work on a budget, and that's okay. They are learning to enjoy some of the simpler things in life. Our kids are getting outside and they're playing, mm-hmm. honestly, because they're bored, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. They're kind of rediscovering how to entertain themselves. In the long run, I honestly believe if, if we spend the time needed with our kids, they're going to end up ahead in terms of being a productive, kind human being. Mm. They're going to have yeah. so many other skills that, honestly, a lot of us missed growing up because life started moving so quickly and technology wasn't incorporated and we stopped going outside to play and we stopped writing letters to people and things like that. Enjoy this time of exposing them to as many things as you can that once life starts picking back up, we will probably forget about or we won't have time to do because that's going to make them a well-rounded human being. And if we have a well-rounded human being, then we can do anything with them in the school. Mm -hmm. We will get them caught up. It's not going to happen overnight. I've tried to reassure my parents it's going to take us time, but we are committed to figuring that out and what that's going to look like as long as they just continue to partner with us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this has been such awesome advice, Lori. I can't thank you enough. We so appreciate your willingness to share your insight and wisdom here on the show. I know. I gleaned a lot of encouragement and insight as we head into summer. And I want to add one little thing. I just know that most people have have learned this uh, appreciation through the loss of being able to physically touch other people than that's in their home. And really, let's all, you know, as our families are together, not with maybe distant families and friends, really gain a sense of gratitude for that, that time when we do get to hug our grandma or we do get to hug our friend when we get to see them again. Well, awesome. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Hey, if you have any questions for Lori, or if you have a story that you'd like to share with us uh, and with the Brave Parenting community, email us at podcast at braveparenting.net. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and share with your friends so they too can be encouraged and equipped. Thank you, Lori, so much. It was so great having you on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And thank you for listening to the Brave Parenting Podcast, where we believe every child deserves a brave parent willing to set a new standard. Until next week, go and be brave.